It's time for Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And here is your host, Inside Towers business editor, John Celentano. Hello, everyone. Uh, We're glad you could join us today. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. The 2022 Volume 3 issue is out now. For more information or to subscribe, visit insidetowers.com intelligence. Interesting topic today. We hear a lot about the big publicly held tower companies and what they do to support the major mobile network operators. But in the United States, there are over 100 privately owned tower companies that provide specialized services, either in specific geographic areas or for specific customer needs. Milestone Towers is one such company. And here to talk about how the company differentiates what it does from other tower companies is Len Forkus, founder and CEO. Len, welcome to Tower Talks. Oh, thank you, John. Uh, Len, why don't you give us the elevator pitch on Milestone Towers? Yeah, so I started the company a little over 20 years ago uh, with the notion of uh, finding ways to build towers in places that were hard to build. Before, I was a real estate developer for many years, and I always felt that uh, the tower business was a real estate business. And uh, whenever I invested in real estate, I always wanted to be in places that were hard to replicate, high barriers to entry, environments where it was not easy to build projects. And so when I started the company, I, I wanted to focus on finding ways to uh, partner with schools and municipalities to uh, allow them to use their real estate for uh, revenue purposes, mm-hmm. but also help solve some of the toughest problems for uh, wireless carriers. You know, at the time back then, there were no Gs. I mean, it was you know pretty much <laughs> just the right. first network, right? But uh, but I knew that over time, the hardest places to fill in the holes would be in places where people live in communities. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I got started and started here in Fairfax, Virginia, where, where I'm located uh, in Reston. And yep. uh, we we started developing relationships and it grew. And now we've got uh, over you know 70 relationships with municipalities and schools on the East Coast and have three, 4,000 sites where we have exclusive rights to build towers. Awesome. So what is it that you do, Len, that is different or unique from the other tower companies, what, what we might call your unique value proposition? Yeah, so we're pretty much, I would say, a really a very much a niche player in that um, we, we have the ability to be able to execute and deliver sites in some of the most challenging environments in places huh. where zoning or land use approvals are next to impossible. Uh, and we do that by, uh, like I said, engaging with uh, landowners that are friendly to us that would like to see better coverage on their real estate. Uh, but also, you know, we, we go through a process that uh, creates a lot of political cover for those, uh, those stakeholders, uh, particularly elected officials, by being overly transparent in how we deal with uh, community input uh, so that in the end, uh, when it comes time to vote for one of our projects, Everyone uh, that's been involved feels as though we treated them openly, honestly, transparently, and uh, and were responsive, and we were good listeners in terms of the solutions that we show, chose to mm-hmm. apply to each of those sites. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so we kind of custom fit the design to meet the context of the environment, 
in doing so, we've been able to build several hundred sites that are, you know, I would say, kind of jewel box assets. Huh. Do you still get pushback? You know, people are always concerned about the aesthetics, um, you know, where the sites are located. Uh, you know, these days there's concerns about radiation from 5G sites and, and the like. But um, so, so what you're it's saying, it sounds like you, you put together a package that pretty much answers all of those issues and uh, helps the process uh, get through a little easier. Is that right? Yeah, not really. Oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the same, John, the same arguments people fight, people, mostly people that live near the site, they're the same arguments as they were 20 years ago. It's property yeah. values, it's rating, rating our kids, you yeah. know, inappropriate use, it's ugly. And so that's where um, a lot of the sites that we pick are sites that we have the ability to, you know, locate them pretty far from homes. But, but for the most part, in the end, really, it's how you treat people and, and you create a forum where they can be heard. And uh, look, we're never going to please everybody, but but this is infrastructure that's needed, and uh, and and we have to be creative. You know, sometimes we have to come up with a, a design solution that's somewhat expensive, but sometimes that's what we have to do in in places where we can justify the costs. Yeah, yeah. So good. You just, you just got to be a good listener, you know. And uh, yep. in the end, you got to get the votes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you, the tenants on the towers are, are, is is a mix. Are they just carriers, or do you have other other types of tenants as well? Yeah, pretty much where we build in suburban uh, areas, it's mostly the you know the big four mm-hmm. that be on our sites. That's those are our biggest customers. We're, gotcha. we're not in rural areas where there's a lot of uh, backhaul, you know, microwave backhaul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's predominantly uh, the folks that uh, you know we all do business with. Mm-hmm. Public safety entities included. Yeah. And and actually, in fact, we've been able to build uh, several public safety towers for municipalities uh, to help them, uh, you know, get on air. But yeah, but our bread and butter is the the big, you know, the four companies that are operating today in the markets where we operate. Gotcha. Tell us again, uh, what's your inventory look like in terms of number of sites you actually uh, own and operate or? Yeah. So over the course of, you know, 20 years, we've built hundreds of sites. Yeah, um, some of which we've we've divested for our investors to get their capital back, but right now we manage over 200 sites, uh, 60 of which we've built from ground up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the balance we uh, do third-party management for mostly, uh, uh, you know, uh, public organizations. Uh, but uh, but our pipeline right now we've got about 50 sites in our pipeline, and uh, you know anticipate delivering those over you know the next year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. You build a one type of tower or is it a mix of different types? Uh, it just depends on what our customers need. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. if our customer needs to be up high and uh, a lattice tower is the appropriate uh, solution, then we'll do that. Uh, but a lot of times uh, we're doing a lot of drop and swaps on baseball fields or football fields. So we're building around 120, 130 uh, hmm. feet and we're kind of replacing the light pole with a, a tower that has lights on it. So it blends in. Um Every once in a while, we have to do concealment sites like, yeah. uh, you know, marquee sites or tree poles and so forth. Those are getting so expensive, though, it's really hard to justify them. But but in some places, you know, I mean, let's face it, in some places, uh, those types of structures, you know, blend in and solve yeah. the problem. Yeah. But I would say that you know, the majority of our sites are kind of normal monopoles type structures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been to stadiums where you look up at the uh, the lights that shine down on the field and uh you see um, antennas, so you know, and I realized, well, this is more than a light a light pole; it's actually a tower. So, uh, yeah, we love we love those solutions because you know, hey, look, there's no better place to build 
towers than in places where there's lots of tall vertical poles, you know, whether it's a substation or a, or a baseball field or yeah. a football field. And yeah. again, our goal is just to try to solve the problem in the way, in a way that makes it uh, look less visually intrusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our customers like that because we custom designed the solutions uh, and our property owners like it because, uh, you know, it's not as obtrusive and mm-hmm. they can buy off on it. But ultimately, the locations we're building in, you got to be creative. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So at, at this juncture, I know you talked about your pipeline, um, but, um, you know, if we look ahead a little bit, how, how do you see the tower business uh, trending, both from your own perspective and, and say, the, the broader industry at large? Well, John, you and I have both been in this business for a very, very long time. We have. We're not going to we're not going to count the years. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. But look, I mean, it's a cyclical business, right? Like, yes. and yes, and unlike is. real estate, you know, which runs with economic cycles, we we run counter to that because other there's other uh, you know interruptive forces, whether it's uh, mergers or spectrum capital being reallocated and so forth. So right now, it's pretty frothy. I think anyone in the business would tell mm-hmm. you they're the best times we've seen in probably seven years. Yes. Um, what I'm really fascinated about is kind of what how 5G behaves. Uh, in terms of uh, how it's going to function from a network perspective, as the as the as as the uh, influences uh, you know show us what's going to be needed. So I think the verdict's still out uh, as to how much density and how many sites are going to be needed, but it's all trending in the right direction. And we're yeah. super excited about you know we got I think everyone you talk to all the big guys. I'm on the I'm on the board of WIA and I, I meet with these guys. Okay four times a year and yep. everybody sees the big, you know, common denominators. Everybody sees a very long runway. Yeah. 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 For sure. We, I, I, I guess we're all looking for what's the killer app for 5g, but uh, um, you know, once, once we see this trend in uh, this cycle in uh, macro cells build out, um, then, then we're expecting a fairly hefty ramp on small cells. Um, is that an area that you, you participate in or plan to, or. We have yet to find a, a profitable path in that space. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've really been mostly focused on on the macro sites. Yeah. But uh, but you know, I don't know if you remember this, John, but remember when 4G came out? Um, there was a lot of noise uh, when that network got tuned. A lot of sites were skipping over other sites. And yeah. it was a hot mess. Uh, 5G is not, that's not happening now. But to me, um, I think that uh, the verdict is really out on macro as to whether or not the small cells are going to be the way to go because they're so expensive uh, to to maintain. Uh, and, uh, you know, let's face it, they're they're very strategic assets. Yes. But from the standpoint of the network network coverage, if you can be creative and find places where you can build in between, uh, I think that, I think there's a, a lot more a lot more growth in in macro. I, I do understand the value of, of, of the small cell sites, but it just depends. In the geographies where we operate, uh, we see we don't see as that as a big competitor for us. Yeah, yeah. You know, between us, I think if the if the big tower companies had their druthers, they just stick with macro cells and even the carriers. You know, I mean, uh, just because of the economics, if they can get the the right frequencies to get the reach and the and the capacity down where it's needed. Um, you know, that that, that kind of leaves uh, small cells to more niche or specialty applications, but uh, we'll have to see. I mean, we've, we've done some studies ourselves on that recently, and, uh, you know, we, we see growth there, but the numbers aren't, um, you know, the numbers are, are modest, you know, even, even yeah. uh, ramping up. 
Yeah. I mean, well, you know, every day I wake up, you know, my, my goal is, and my team's goal is to find ways that we can help our customers get on air. And, uh, yeah. and if the trend ends up being towards small cells and there's a path for us, we'll definitely be pursuing that. But right now we're plenty busy, uh, building the, building the macro sites and the places where they need us to be. There you go. Good. So this, this has been good, Len. How, how can interested parties find out more about Milestone Tower services? Well, you know, the usual suspects, right? You know, you can find us on the web at milestonetowers.com. Okay. Um, but, uh, but you know, LinkedIn is a place we post stuff that's happening in our business. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but no, I mean, uh, you know, we operate uh, between Delaware and Florida on the East Coast and plan mm-hmm. to grow in other geographies. But uh, but no, it's just uh, just a, an honor to be be part of your uh, brand. Uh, you know, we read your periodicals every day and, uh, you know, your team does a great job in terms of uh, keeping us all informed of what's going on in the industry and what the, what the, what the pressures are. We appreciate the positive feedback, believe me. Um, and, but let me, let me just shift gears for a second here. You wrote a book and you sent me a copy. I appreciate it. It's called the cold hard truth. Um, you know, it was hard to put down once I started reading it, but uh, why, why don't you just share a little bit uh, for our listeners what the, what the book is about. Yeah, well, thank you for for mentioning that. Um, so uh, the the nexus of all of it was uh, happened twenty years ago, and my son uh, Matt was diagnosed with cancer, uh, and he survived, and he's working with me now. But uh, to cope with the stress of his illness, I started uh, exercising more and doing more uh, endurance uh, work. You know, whether it's running marathons or ultra marathons, I rode a bike across the country a couple times, and so I, I kept finding this this path of pushing myself a little bit further and further. And in doing so, um, you know, I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot of leadership lessons in, in pursuing these things. And this book is about, uh, I got invited by a very close friend who's a very experienced mountaineer uh, who invited me to climb the highest mountain in Antarctica called Mount Vincent. And, uh, you know, I was a rookie climber. I mean, I had no idea what it was like to work, you know, to climb a glacier. But uh, but by by kind of adopting the mindset that I, I uh, no matter how old I am, I still have room to grow and learn new things. So I purposely put myself in an uncomfortable place of having to train for and learn the tools to be able to to do that type of uh, event. And uh, so we flew to Antarctica on a Russian transport. Uh, we took a small plane to the base of the mountain. Uh, there were four of us in our team, but there were other teams, uh, you know, on the expedition. And uh, we summited uh, 16,500 feet. Uh, after a week, we came back to the base camp. Uh, lots of lessons that I learned along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the most important lesson was to give up control over your world. Because here we were in the middle of December uh, on the side of the mountain waiting for the planes to come. And uh, they didn't come for, for 14 days. And wow. uh, the weather was terrible in both places. So I had to learn how to adapt to my environment and uh, cope with that. And uh, we, all, we all cope with that from COVID, right? So we yeah, had no for control sure. over that. So I had no control. So, so the book is about, you know, learning how to find, uh, find you know, positives in the negative and uh, reposition your, your, your frame of mind, but also to realize that the people you're with uh, help you get through it. Well, it was it was an awesome read for me, uh, and uh, you know the way the way you presented it was uh, was very interesting as well. But how's your son doing? Well, you know, like I said, he just turned thirty, uh, and he's been okay. working for me for three years now, and he's cancer free, and uh, he's still my inspiration. Awesome, good. 
Well, how, how can readers, uh, how can our listeners get a copy of the book? Yeah, uh, just, you know, uh, go to Amazon, type in my name, you'll see it there and uh, uh, or just cold hard truth. Uh, so, yeah. And uh, all the proceeds go to uh, to support a charity I started called Hope Cam, which helps connect kids to their friends using uh, webcams. So we've been doing that for 20 years, too. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Great. Well, look, Glenn, thanks. Thanks for your interesting perspectives on the tower business. And um, we'll stay in touch. That's a pleasure, John. And thank you for uh, for the time. I really enjoyed it. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.